podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the late sweating F1 podcast. It is boiling, absolutely <laughs> boiling. No, of course, this is the late breaking F1 podcast. We are previewing today the Spanish Grand Prix. Max Verstappen looking for two wins in a row. Mercedes looking to get back on top. Thank you so much for joining us. My name's Ben Hocking. Time to bring in the Circuit de Catalunya's biggest fan, that being Harry Eid. And Mr. Moy Caliente himself, Samuel Sage. Guys, how are you doing? My skin has fallen off and I am melting slowly. Please, someone send moisture. I am as hot as a Mercedes rear left tyre at Silverstone. Ooh, That's I'd like to see something. Amazon's graphic on you. <laughs> I am minus 100%. <laughs> well, by AWS graphics, you'd be on 85% then. <laughs> Still good, still good yep, to use. Still fine. Accurate. Hashtag send moisture. Um, anyway, should we get on to um, to previewing the Grand Prix this weekend? So Max Verstappen managed to win his first race of the season last time out, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. The first time that a Mercedes has not won this year. So we're asking, with high temperatures expected at the Circuit to Catalonia, of course, we're not usually there in August. Does this give Max Verstappen another opportunity to take victory? Sam, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, of course, Verstappen's in a good position. He's Max Verstappen and he's a front-running car. He drove exquisitely well last time out in Silverstone and showed why he deserves to be in one of those top drives. You know, he really is one of the creme de la creme drivers of the sport in its current format. Now, what really played into his, his hands, his driving ability, the car itself, was, of course, that changing tyre compound. Now, unless I have missed something incredibly obvious, which is highly possible, I believe we've gone back to the normal tyre for this season. We're not on that softer compound of tyre. Um, and therefore, I don't think the advantage from Max is going to be as strong around Catalonia in España. Uh, as you can see, I am from native Spain. Um... <laughs> in Croydon. <laughs> in, the boy in Croydon. Croydon, Barcelona. Um, <laughs> you can tell it's hot, folks. We're all delusional. Um, honestly, Catalonia is almost like a, a holy ground for Mercedes. They seem to dominate there constantly. Lewis Hamilton obliterated the field last time we were here. And that was like, in testing. Now, last year in the race, he was monumentally quick. And I think even with the car running a little hot, I'd be shocked if Red Bull are able to pull that deficit down, considering that the Red Bull last season at this point was closer to the Mercedes generally this time last year. So I'd be shocked if uh, if Red Bull and Max Verstappen are able to close the gap that much back on the normal tyre compound. I do think it's going to be a closer fight. But unfortunately, I think that Hamilton especially, but Bottas could be coming back anyway. That Mercedes around Catalonia does a fantastic job. So I do think it's still going to be a little bit of Mercedes dominance, but I'm hoping that Max can pick up a, a bit of a fight. Yeah, and you're right with the tyre compounds. They do return to the same set that we saw in the first race at Britain. Harry, do you think that Mercedes will return to dominance here? Uh, I don't know. Do you know what? Don't know anymore. I think even Red Bull have been a bit dumbfounded by how good they were in the race at Silverstone. I've seen a few 
uh, a few comments by you know Horner and the drivers. They don't quite know how they were that good. Um, it's going to be hot. It's Barcelona in the middle of August. I think it will be quite hot there this weekend, which Red Bull must be thinking happy days. But as Sam said, and you said, Ben, we are back to the harder compound tyres. Um, you know, I think Mercedes will be a little bit nervous. They've, you know, only just scraped that win with the, you know, with the punctures at the end of the first British GP. And then obviously they lost out in the second one. Um, yeah, I, I would be shocked if Mercedes don't pull off a win here. But I just think they'll be, they will be, you know, looking behind them a bit more just because Red Bull were so strong in those hot conditions. I mean, even... Even Albon, I know he started further down and he still finished well behind Max, but he climbed up pretty considerably during the race. Um, and I think both cars were working well. So if it's hot again, you'd, you you couldn't rule them out. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't rule them out, Max out of a win, but I don't want wouldn't, wouldn't to, wouldn't bet my flat on it that he's going to get another win this weekend. I do think Mercedes, as we saw in testing, you know, cooler temperatures, but they were so quick around that circuit. So. I, I I wouldn't feel comfortable not not betting on one of them this weekend. Yeah, I have to be honest. I don't think I would bet ten pence against Mercedes if the hybrid era has taught us anything. It's don't don't necessarily go against them winning. They tend to do it quite a lot. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say that they will return to dominance here in Spain, as you've already referenced. The tires are going back up a compound although they did struggle on that the first time around at Silverstone maybe they have some slightly more strategic understanding going into Spain now that the uh the the tire explosions did happen in that first race in Britain yeah you you alluded to it Sam how good they are at Spain that's definitely true in the hybrid era last six races they've won five of them the only one they didn't win, of course, was when Max Verstappen claimed his debut win in 2016. And let's face it, they probably would have won that if they didn't decide to crash into each other. So um, that's the only thing that's that's the only blemish on their hybrid era record here. And whilst a lot of circuits they do have good records at, Spain, even by Mercedes high standards, is a pretty good one. Last year, I think Hamilton was about seven and a half seconds clear of Verstappen in third at the end of the race, and it was a start to um, start to finish win as well. Um, there wasn't um, there wasn't any time where a non Mercedes car was leading the race, and in 2018 it was a very similar story. I think Hamilton won that one by about 25 seconds or so, back to Verstappen in third place, and um, and I think Verstappen led for about seven laps in that one. So. Last two Grand Prix in Spain, a grand total of seven laps have not been led by a Mercedes driver. So they have to take a lot of confidence into this. As we referred to on our preview for the last Grand Prix, it does seem as if the only way that Red Bull, at least at the moment, are going to get into contention in races is if something untoward happens, something completely unexpected, something that takes deviates from the norm. In normal circumstances, Mercedes have got the pace to cover off Red Bull very comfortably. When things such as safety cars come in, then the questions start to get asked. And one of those things that can be asked of Mercedes is, can they deal with the high temperatures? And there's every chance we're going to get them again. I think it's looking like just shy of 30 degrees air temperature we'll see in Barcelona at the weekend. So, uh, you know, August in Spain is something that these these teams have not had to contend with before. I'm glad we're seeing it because they are so used to the circuits of Catalonia, um, but they're so used to it at the uh, at the same times of year that, that 
test in February and then the race uh, in usually in May. So it's good to see them out their comfort zone somewhat. I think Red Bull have got to hope that, that the temperature works in their favour. They need to claim some wins at this point of the season where they can take advantage of these high temperatures. Because when we get into September or October, you'd imagine that Mercedes are going are gonna to reassume that advantage. So they need to strike while the iron's hot, I think. Yeah, completely agree. It'll be very interesting to see how they combat that. And the thing is with Catalonia as well, it, it really plays into what Mercedes is strong at, and that is mid-speed corners. They've always been very good at just propelling themselves out of that mid-traction kind of zone. And apart from the final sector, that's what Spain is pretty much entirely made up of. The whole of Spain, not just the track of Catalonia, but all of Spain itself, uh, mid-speed corners. So no wonder Mercedes (laughs) do so well there. Yeah, the mid-speed corner country, as it's so often known around the world. Moving back from the first two teams, or at least who we're presuming will be the first two teams, Racing Point, still yet to get on the podium this year, even though that they have had such a good car. Harry, do you think that this could be the weekend where they finally step on the rostrum? I've got absolutely no idea. I am so flummoxed by what that Racing Point is doing. Um, yeah, I'm, I know they missed Checo the past two weekends, and who... Who knows what he could have done in those, you know, tire, uh, tire-related issues um, of both of those GPs? He he could well have snatched a podium or two there. Um, but yeah, their their race pay. I mean, Hulkenberg would have finished further up than he did. They had to pit him uh, at the end of the last race because they were concerned about a vibration. Um, but they didn't look like troubling the the podium, to be honest. Neither of them, and I know Hulkenberg missed the first one, but. Yeah, I, I thought they would be way quicker. I mean, they're obviously quick. Hulkenberg got P3 on the grid um, around Silverstone. But there is something about their race pace, which obviously isn't quite there. They're, they're quick around the first lap. And maybe maybe they have the same problems as Mercedes did. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you, you would imagine, you know, they were so quick around there in winter testing that they should be quick there again. But yeah, I, I'm just a bit confused by that car. To be honest, it's it's obviously got a lot of pace, but they're not, and you know, able to unleash it well in a race. We'll see if Perez is back this weekend. I don't know what's happening with that so far. Um, I guess he's had another test today to see if he's fit to go. But um, yeah, we'll see. You, you uh, logically, they should be up there. They should be challenging for a podium. But I think Max is just out driving that Red Bull at the moment. To be honest. Sam, do you think that Racing Point are in contention for that podium without giving away your pole one, two, three predictions early? Uh, um, I think that we've overestimated the the pure speed of the uh, the Tracing Point. I think because we looked at it and said that's the Mercedes of last time out and they had a great start to the season, we all immediately jumped to the conclusion that, hey, look, they've they've got the car down this time around. They're, they're ready to go. Um there's definitely a lot of strong points to that car, and I reckon they are still top three at a stretch, top four cars in the uh, across the grid this season. But I think now Red Bull are starting to pull it together. Now Max has really found his feet. Albon has got the overtaking finally down, it would seem. I don't think they've got enough pace to hold off Red Bull overall as a package. And if Charles Leclerc keeps driving like an absolute legend in that Ferrari and driving, as I said last time, the nuts and bolts off of it, dragging it where it shouldn't be, I don't. I don't think they could do much better than maybe fifth, maybe fourth at a real push. But if Hulkenberg's back in the car this weekend, I think maybe he's got a good chance at a top five. Uh, 
if Perez is in that car, maybe he can stretch it to a top four. Honestly, I've got no certainty in the matter. I do really think that those cars are so close together when it comes to Ferrari, uh, Racing Point, McLaren, Renault. Um, you can even throw Red Bull on a bad day, Alpha Tauri on a good day into that mix as well. You, you don't know where those cars are going to place. So for me, there's no guarantee that they find themselves on a podium. And you know what? The longer we get into this season, the less I expect to see them back on the podium. They needed to strike while the iron was hot early on in the season. They failed to do so due to a couple of silly mistakes that cost them and maybe just Stroll's inept ability. Um, and it's a shame because I feel like they could have maybe have outscored massively where they are and they haven't done so. So no, I don't think it will be uh, close to a podium for them today, uh, today this weekend. I do think that they're going to, to be strong as they have been so far, but I think they're going to be very much scrapping it out for the fifth to eighth place area. Yeah, but by the time this does go live, we will know whether Perez or Hulkenberg will be racing in that in that racing point. At the moment, we don't know. Um, ultimately, I think that it, it's been a disappointing season for them. I do think that they should have had the pace to have scored at least one podium. And you, you look at Charles Leclerc, he's finished on the podium twice. Lando Norris has been there once. So the opportunities for those teams uh, that aren't as quick as the Mercedes and Red Bull... They, you know, the opportunities have been there and Racing Point haven't taken them, uh, partly because maybe the car isn't quite as good as what we think it is. I'm not sure about that, but I think partly because the drivers haven't done a good enough job and they just haven't had a clean race yet. Um, I think the last time out in, in Britain, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix was perhaps the cleanest Grand Prix they've had, um, but they couldn't, you know, Verstappen, Bottas and Hamilton none of them had any incidents that would throw them back down the field like Hamilton's penalty in Austria did or a retirement or an 11th place finish for Bottas in the first race that Silverstone did. When those three are on form and there aren't any retirements or any setbacks for them, it's very difficult for anyone else to get on the podium. But that won't be the case every single week. So when that does happen, there is an opportunity for Ferrari or McLaren or, or Racing Point to take advantage of it. And at the moment, it's been Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris in the position to do so and not Lance Stroll, Sergio Perez or Nico Hülkenberg. I think Nico Hülkenberg has done a, has done a decent job since getting into the racing point. And, um, you know, obviously he didn't get to start the race uh, the first time around. He, he did a solid and I think he did a really solid job, actually, in the second race at Silverstone. But I think it's unfair to assume that he will be on the podium just because He's in there and he's in a racing point. The, the the lack of experience of that car is definitely not going to work in his favour. Um, and Lance Stroll, I just don't believe, is maximising that car. Uh, and Sergio Perez, to be fair, I don't think he's had a fantastic year either. I think it's been somewhat scrappy by his standards. So I think in time, when one of those drivers, maybe this weekend, maybe another weekend, hooks together a good race, hooks together a good qualifying lap, no crashes, no no bad qualifying performances, then I think there is a chance that they'll be on the podium. But yeah, they should be clear of the likes of McLaren and Ferrari and they're not. So that 15 point penalty, we obviously don't know what's going to happen with that yet as well, but that could very well, uh, that could very well be a factor too. So they need to get points on the board quickly. Should we move on to some bold predictions? Yes. (laughs) All right, Harry. I know you're going to get it right, but we'll ask the question just in case. What are you going for this week? 
I am going to go for, I said one German driver was going to be in the top five last week and I was robbed. <laughs> that was Nico Hogenberg. This week I'm going for a different one. I'm going for Sebastian Vettel will be in the top five in Barcelona. Ooh. I love it. I love it. Thank you. I mean... Sorry, Seb. I'm trying to think. In Hungary, he finished sixth, didn't he? So it's not something that's happened so far this season. Um, no. So... It is a bold one. It is a bold one. Sebastian Vettel in the top five. Sam, what are you going in with here? My bold prediction is not as bold as Mr. Eves, which is surprising to say when you say that Sebastian Vettel finishes in the top five is bold, isn't it? That's how times have changed in the last year. Um, I'm going to say that Alexander Albon will score his first podium in Formula One. (laughs) It's still bold. Blimey. I, I think it's still Big bold. It Big it up, lads. All right. Alex Alban on the podium. I don't think that's the first time that's been a bold prediction for you either, Sam. So hopefully no. this time, for your sake, it does come true. Um, I'm going for something that on paper might not seem that bold, but when you think about it, actually, it, it doesn't happen very often at all. I'm going to go for seven teams in Q3. Oh. So that, can, we, can we hear what teams they might be? I mean, I, I won't commit to it, but probably yep, not Haas, Alpha and Williams. The other seven, I think, will have at least one representative in Q3. Did that happen last time? That happened in Silverstone, didn't it? Was it seven? Did they all? Mercedes were definitely there. Red Bull were definitely maybe there. maybe they were. Racing Point were definitely there. McLaren had Lando Norris. Uh, Alpha Tauri had Gasly. Renault had... Ricardo and who am I missing? Oh God, I'm so sorry. Who is it? Maybe it's only six. Anyway, or Ocon and Ricardo are irrelevant. Anyway, that's uh, that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for. I like it. I the like seven it. teams in there. And pole one, two, three. Harry, what are you going for? Uh, pole position is going to be. Uh, Barry Bottas, and then the wind's going to go to Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen's going to be second, and Bottas is going to be third. I mean, it, at this point, it does seem as if what order do you want to put those three in? You've got a good chance. Um, Sam, obviously, you're not going for those three. We already know that you think Alex Albon is going to be on the podium somewhere, although we don't know where at this point. What are you going for here? I think that Valtteri Bottas... Sorry, someone has just collapsed on the microphone. <laughs> I just knocked my mic over, sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone, for anyone that heard that. Um, it's not going to be that shocking, I promise. Um, I think that Valtteri Bottas will get pole position. I think that Max Verstappen will win the race. I think that Lewis Hamilton will be second, and I think that Albon will be third. Can't wait for your race. Sounds great. It's going to be buzzing. Any reason that Bottas doesn't finish on the podium, or is it just because you have a massive hatred for him? It's just sad, and he he just cries a bit, and he can't see through his visor. No, honestly, I think we've seen a lot of times now that he can't make tyres work well, as well as the guys around him. I think the heat's going to have a negative effect on his tyres. I think he won't be able to extract the speed element that he needs to, and we've seen that two races in a row in hot conditions. I just think he's going to struggle a little bit more than his teammate and the two Rebels that are clearly a bit better in hotter conditions. I think it's going to be really close. I generally don't think that it's going to be like Bottas is 20 seconds behind, but I do think it's going to be just not enough to see him onto the podium. All right. I'm going to go fairly boring, which I'm sure is a massive, 
massive shock. Pole position, Lewis Hamilton. First place, Lewis Hamilton. Second place, Valtteri Bottas. Third place, Max Verstappen. Woo! We're all having a fun day here. I feel like that's the number one, like, most likely event to happen. Just on pure stats. I think I mix it up for my own entertainment in my own little world, and every single week I'm disappointed. Although we all obviously know that these are all false and that Roy Nassani is going to impress so much in FP1 that Mercedes will snap him up and he'll win the race. He's the GOAT! GOAT! So the saga about the rear brake ducks of Racing Point is not going away anytime soon. Four teams all stated their intention to appeal the the protest, uh, sorry, appeal the decision given out by the FIA. Of those, Ferrari, Renault, McLaren and Williams, those teams, by the way, of those four, Ferrari and Renault have decided to pursue with that. So they will go ahead uh, with appealing that decision. Racing Point are also going ahead with appealing the decision, but obviously in the opposite manner, believing that the penalty shouldn't exist in the first place. The other two thinking that the penalty that was handed out was not severe enough. And just to clarify for anyone who doesn't know, it was a 15-point deduction for Racing Point and a €400,000 fine. Sam, what did you make of Williams and McLaren, who both initially said that they were going to go ahead with this and have decided to, to back out? By the power of Toto's fist, I declare that you will no longer protest this complaint. Um, honestly, I think that is literally what it was. I think they were well up for it. They were like, hang on a minute, unfair advantage. McLaren were like, they're in front of us. Boo, we don't like that. Boo. And then Toto went, oi, oi, Zach, Zach, come here. And he's like, oh, oh, hi there, Togo. And he went, <laughs> oh, he's got to do it. It's Austrian, isn't he? Zach, do you want our engines next season? That, I don't know what that was. To- and, and Zach's gone, yeah, man. Yeah, we don't want that Renault anymore. And Toto's <laughs> gone, remove your complaint or get to the chopper. Um, and I think they went, right then. No complaints from us here at McLaren, actually. We're all sound. And I'm sure Toto and Claire just went, all right. And Toto went, yeah, all right. And Claire went, what do you want? And Toto went, don't complain. And she went, yeah, all right, got other things to do, haven't we? And that's probably as easy as it went. So I imagine that's pretty much it. I imagine that Mercedes' power there has completely overrided the entire grid. And of course, they don't get a say in Renault or Ferrari's uh, uh, business. Um, And that's why they're the only two that are left. Um, for For the first time in what feels like the only F1 event in history, Red Bull haven't got involved. So well done to Christian Horner. Yeah, I think Christian Horner was feeling the effects of that today because he's come out and uh, sort of questioned Toto Wolff's role in it all. So I think he was feeling a bit left out and wanted to be in the, in the middle of the drama again. Uh, just a few questions on that, Sam. Firstly, um, I was going to say the Zach Brown impression was god-awful and then you did the Toto one and it seemed amazing. Um, how did Toto Wolff manage to change his accent from Austrian to London? <laughs> between his conversations uh, with Zach Brown and Claire Williams? I think he's done it for a PR stance. Um, Claire Williams, very well known to react well to Cockney only. And Zach Brown really respects Central Europeans. Um, that's why he doesn't enjoy the French accent. He's trying to get away from that engine. 
and he's gone very much a kind of a German centric. And of course that resonates very highly with, uh, with, with Zach Brown's Americanisms. If you were expecting some sort of technical uh, description of what's going on with Racing Point's brake ducks, you are going to be very, very disappointed, as you can probably tell by those first few minutes of the discussion. Harry, what did you make of Williams and McLaren backing out? Uh, that is, this is the best segment we've ever done. <laughs> Easily. Easily. <laughs> like, that is going as the preview snippet for this podcast. Sorry, Easily. Um what did I make of it? Uh, yeah, it's very unusual for them to those four teams to. You don't often see four teams come together to protest the same thing. Um, and the one I was most surprised by was was Williams, I guess. I don't know. McLaren have got Mercedes engines next year. As Sam said, I do think Toto's been like, I'm not going to do an impression, but he has knocked on the door, rang them up, and said, "Do you still want Mercedes engines to stop complaining?" <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's um, it's classic F one, isn't it? You know, we we have some strong, you know, we races one messaging, and I know it's unrelated, but when it comes down to it, they still are petty and they still like to bicker and argue about brake ducts. Like for Christ's sakes, it's it's a brake duct. Like who cares? And I know there's a wider issue that they think the whole racing point is in fact a Mercedes, but the way it's just. They're going about it by complaining about the brake ducts. Just seems a bit ridiculous. And to someone from the outside, you know, who's a casual fan, like, what, what is going on here? So, yeah, I think this is going to roll on for a while. It's, Mercedes are happy to take it to the courts because I imagine their lawyers are pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it's going to roll on all year, to be honest, and and into next year because obviously the cars aren't going to change. So, yeah, this could this isn't going away anytime soon. Yeah, I think you're right in saying that. I think with McLaren, they did put out um, some sort of statement to say why they've decided not to go ahead with the protest. And it was a, it seems flimsy at best. And it does sound like you said that it, Mr. Wolf has decided to come round and threaten to blow their house down. And he's decided. Nice. That, nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and he's, yeah, Zach Brown's decided, yeah, we'll live to fight another day. And, um, and move on, um, and and theoretically, from from McLaren and Williams' perspective, if they know that Ferrari and Renault are going to go ahead with it, um, there's not necessarily any reason for them to as well. If someone else can bite the bullet, so I, I understand what's going on here. It is a bit disappointing, and I, I agree with what you said, Harry. That of the four teams that have come forward about this, Williams is the one that surprised me the most. Um, you know, Williams and Racing Point have had. Um, a fairly decent relationship in the past and I think they've shared reserve drivers and um you know George Russell has previous at Force India and I think Williams I think it's disappointing that, that the Williams have backed out from this. I can understand why they've done it, even though they've got the same power unit as the Mercedes Racing Point units and um you know on paper it looks weird that they would have gone ahead and done this, but Williams are so big on the integrity of constructors and making sure that constructors do stay completely independent and not exactly a big fan of customer teams. So I can understand why they've gone against the principle that Racing Point have adopted this year. Um, And I think for the other three teams, or I guess the two teams now in Ferrari and Renault, having Williams on their side, I think it really did add legitimacy to their claim. Renault, McLaren and Ferrari 
I'm not saying that they don't have a case, but it looks very weird when you've got 10 teams in the championship. Racing Point, who are they directly battling? Well, they're battling Renault, they're battling Ferrari, and they're battling McLaren. So it's very easy, even if they do have a legitimate uh, case, to say that it's very easy to say that, oh, they're just doing this because they've jumped ahead of us and, and we found a way that we can easily pick up a position here. Williams don't have any any reason to do it other than that they think that it's wrong. Like there's no incentive for them. Williams are at the bottom of the championship. That's where they'll stay. They're not battling racing point. So there's not really any need for them to go after them. So it really did add legitimacy that they were there. Now they're not there. It doesn't look quite as good. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, I think Toto's had a, had something to say to these teams. I'd be very surprised if um, he doesn't have a big role to play in why there are only two teams going ahead with this rather than four. Um, but yeah, regardless, this is not going away. Out of interest, the actual penalty of, of 15 points. What did you make of that, Sam? Do you think it was a bit... Do you think the FIA were trying to please everyone to a degree? Yeah, 100%. It feels like it's harsh, and at the same time, not harsh at all. Um, it's 7.5 points per car, and realistically, you think, well, Racing Point have one good race. They make those points up immediately again, and they're only one race down now, and they pretty much did that in that most recent Silverstone Grand Prix. You know, I think, what, um, Stroll finishing sixth, and Hulk finished seventh, so that's, what, eight and six points. So they've got, that's 14 points there. They're only a point down what they were. Now, Yes, they're going to have to still do some making up. Of course, it's still at a slight deficit, but it's definitely almost a kind of, hey, we'll, we'll chuck it this way to almost give the public view that we've punished you. But realistically, you have two races, you're back in the positive again. Um, I think they've definitely tried to, to please all people. It's a bit of a tough position for the FIA, actually, uh, to, to make it correct. And once again, they maybe should make a decision based on these rules maybe need to have penalties in place before they're broken. You know, if you are an infringement of this rule, the rule here is you lose X points or you'll find X amount, and that is it. It's not a case-by-case basis. Um, so, yeah, I guess you're right in saying that they have tried to please everyone. Um, that's about it, really. I mean, if they get it taken off them, then good for them. But I don't think they've really got a lot to lose if they don't have it taken off them either. So I think they're just kind of pulling at strings a little bit. Harry, do you think that they were just trying to please both sides and in turn of please no one? Yeah. Uh, the one I don't get is they broke, you know, allegedly they've broken this sporting regulation because different to technical regulations, so hence why the penalty is less, uh, less harsh. Um, but I don't get why they, <laughs> you know, they're allowed to, they've said they've broken it and then they're allowed to use the same brake ducts again, which are the ones that they got the penalty for. I don't understand that because, you know, the teams after Sil- after the last race at Silverstone then just protested them again and we're, we're just back to square one sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think because uh, I can't remember the guy who's, you know, heading up the FIA now or who, who they invited to look into the garage and he didn't look at the um, brake ducts. I forgot his name. Michael Is Matt? it Tom? Okay. No, Tom By Tom, I can't remember his name. Anyway, I think they 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 missed something here. They missed something on the Racing Point because I think Racing Point have been pretty open about their car from from day one, and the FIA have said yeah it's fine, and then they've had this pointed out to them, and they've gone a bit like oh crap we missed that. 
Um, so they're trying not to annoy Racing Point too much and they're trying also to appease the other teams and it's not really working. It's a bit of a weird weird penalty, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, I just think that the FIA here have tried to please everyone and if uh, it's foolish from the FIA because they should know better than anyone. If you try to please everyone in F1, you will please no one. That's how it works. Anyway... We'll see how that saga unfolds. I highly doubt that's the last time we will speak about that topic. Moving on to Nico Hülkenberg, though. And we don't at this moment know whether he'll be racing at the Spanish Grand Prix, but he has at least had one race under his belt now in 2020. And questions now turn to 2021. Will he get back into the sport? If he does, who's going to give him that opportunity? Sam, do you see Hulkenberg returning in 2021? Do you think someone like Haas should give him an opportunity? If Hulkenberg's inbox isn't battered like a sausage after that performance <laughs> last time out, then I, I am shocked because he put in such a good performance. He hugely outqualified Mark Stroll on his first proper qualifying back. You know, getting used to the car the first time around, his neck was hurting. This is the first time he's really been fully comfortable and committed to the car. Outqualifies his teammate who's been in that car for quite a long time, I remember that he hasn't just been in it this, this season. He's been in that car for a long time, knowing the team. And I know that Hulkenberg's got previous experience with a few members of the team, i.e. Racing Point people, and sorry, um, Force India people. But still, you don't just jump into an F1 car and you're immediately comfortable. He then outdrove Stroll for the entire race until they had to pit him for a vibration. The guy was in P5 for the majority of the race. Um, and a fantastic job that he did in that position. I would be shocked if some teams, even the likes of yeah, Haas, maybe don't pick him up, Alfa Romeo, if Kimi leaves. I wouldn't even be shocked if Albert has a nightmare and Red Bull look at him just for a season. Honestly, he could go anywhere, and it showed to me once again that he's got the pace to be somewhere in Formula 1. He deserves a seat. Yeah, I mean, Hulkenberg has been fairly clear in that he that's where he wants to be. He wants to be back in F1 next year. Harry, do you think that it's a likely situation and do you see anyone, do you think Haas are maybe the front runners for those willing to give him that seat? Uh, I think Haas are the front runners, to be honest. Um, they, are, they are due a change up. They should have changed it up before now anyway, if we spoke as we've spoken about before. But I think it's almost underestimated how much of an opportunity that was for Hulkenberg to be back, even if he doesn't come back this weekend. Those two races, and I know we didn't do one of the races, but he was still solid in the first weekend. Qualifies P3 the second weekend, probably, and as Sam said, outraced Stroll. Um, that's done wonders. And for, wonders for his reputation. And even if he, I believe he probably was talking to teams before that, they will have definitely turned around and thought, oh yeah, maybe this is the guy we need. I could well see him in a house next year. Um, they got to, like I said, they've got to change up that that team up. Um, I don't really know where else he would go. Um, I love him in a Red Bull. Don't see that happening, but that'd be that'd be a pretty shocking, shocking uh, move. But um, yeah, I think Haas is the most likely one, and I would not be surprised if him and Mr. Steiner have not been having phone calls. Yeah, I think in in terms of Haas, um, I think they have to go one of two ways, and technically they could go both ways. Um, Hulkenberg, I think, would fit very well with the team. I think he's exactly what they need. I think he's 
definitely an upgrade on Roman Grosjean. I also think he's a slight upgrade on Kevin Magnussen. Um, the other option for that team is that they could invest in youth, which is something they've shied away from. There are plenty of Ferrari Driver Academy guys who are ready to jump up to the next level. So um, I wouldn't be surprised. There are pros and cons for going both ways, but Nico Hulkenberg should at least be in the running for that seat. And I was really impressed with what he was able to do last weekend. Um, you know, considering he had had two practice sessions, two qualifying sessions going into that race, what he was able to do, stay ahead of Lance Stroll quite comfortably, deserves recognition and deserves acknowledgement. Even if Nico Hulkenberg had, I don't know, say stalled on the grid at that first race in Britain and he'd just been driving around at the back for the rest of the Grand Prix, that would have at least been over 50 laps of experience for him to get used to the car, which he did not get. So what he was able to do with the limited running he had, fair play to him. And uh, is he one of the best 20 drivers in the world? I believe he is. Therefore, I believe he is worthy of a seat in Formula One. Uh, Having said that, I think... I think Hulkenberg, a top team, shouldn't go for him. I think there are better options than Hulkenberg for the top teams like Red Bull. Uh, but for someone like Haas, um, I, I think he's perfect. You know, he did a good job at Renault in that midfield. Uh, and I think he's, he's, he's that's where he's best. I, he, he's not opportunistic, opportunistic enough to claim podiums, but to claim good point scores every week, I think he's more than capable of doing that. So talented, he's hungry. I could well see him back in F1 in 2021. And just to say very quickly on Nico Hulkenberg before we move on, Ross Braun, I need to have a few words with you because Nico Hulkenberg, he's had a tough time in F1. You know, he has the most number of races without a podium. His career hasn't panned out the way that he'd have liked to. GP2 champion, excellent junior record, but it hasn't quite been converted in Formula One, and he couldn't get that first podium last time out. So to supplement that, you decide to then tell him, oh yeah, if we didn't take Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes, we'd have had you, and you could have been in with a chance of multiple-time world champions. Like, come on! Give the guy a break. Honestly. Savage. Yeah, that is is savage. Wrecked. You know. Absolutely taken down. (laughs) Yeah. That would destroy my morale for so long. I'd be like... (laughs) Why? Damn you, Lewis! Yeah, really bad luck you didn't get that one podium, your first podium, Nico, but you could have had literally everything in Formula One if Lewis Hamilton didn't start with us. Moving on to the final topic of today, we are playing F1, fill in the blank. Harry, do do you have a theme song for this one? You're damn right I do. It's F1 filling the blank. Thank you very much for that. And we've got three sentences. But there is a blank in every single one of them. And we're going to fill it in with what we think is appropriate. So, Harry, starting with you. First statement. The driver who needs a good weekend the most is blank. Um, I thought we obviously done this one before. I think I said the same thing again, but I'm going to go with Alex Arbon again. He just needs to do what he did on Sunday 
on Saturday. Just a whole weekend. <laughs> because the Sunday was good, the Saturday was awful again. So uh, uh, we say a good weekend, he needs a, a good whole weekend, not just one day. So I'm sticking with Alex Albon again. He just needs to put to, pull together one whole weekend of goodness. Okay, good stuff. Sam, what are you going for here? Roy Asangi. Go on, Roy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, fair. That's a fair comment. To be fair, the man's got the financial backing and Williams definitely need that. And if he actually starts putting some quality performances no, both in that Williams car no. and in the lower formulas, there is a chance we'll have another paid no. driver, a.k.a. Pastor Maldonado, in that car at some point. But, as to Ben's horror, my actual answer... He's going to be the same as what I said last time as well. Valtteri Bottas needs a good weekend. He's now third in the championship. If he can get himself on the top two steps and Hamilton or Verstappen doesn't score well, he's done okay. The guy needs to just be bigger than his teammate across the whole weekend, which he's done before. He can do it again, and he needs to keep the gap close to the top or just win the race. That would be great. Otherwise, things can start looking a little bit slippery on the slope with Valtteri Bottas. Can I just say, before I give my answer here, Pastor Maldonado is a race winner in Formula One. Roy Nassani could race in Formula One until 2060, and he ain't winning a race. <laughs> He's won the race to my heart, and to KFC. Just kidding, of course, Goat Nassani. Okay, the driver who needs a good weekend the most. I was actually going to say Valtteri Bottas as well, but I'm going to give someone else, uh, and that's Carlos Sainz. He finds himself quite a way back in the championship compared to his teammate Lando Norris. Of course, he's off to Ferrari next season, which we thought was a massive upgrade when it was announced. Not looking as such an upgrade now. Um, It's his home race. Obviously, he won't have the home fans there, but it is a home Grand Prix. Um, And he just needs a good result. He's coming off the back of consecutive 13th place finishes in Britain. So no points in two rounds could just do with a really solid point score to just just reaffirm that you know this is this is why I beat you last season Lando I'm a decent driver I'm gonna show it so we'll see what happens but I think he needs a good race here get more caliente behind that steering wheel Carlos (laughs) (laughs) all right next question to become a world champion Verstappen needs to blank Sam Verstappen is to learn to dance. Um, I... Great answer. Parry. Well, yeah, go on. <laughs> to become a world champion, Verstappen needs to have a world champion winning car, unfortunately. I don't think Verstappen really needs to do any more. He beats his teammate consistently. He has got the mistakes generally out of his uh, out of his race book. You know, if you're flicking through, oh, no mistakes in here, which is great to see. Red Bull needs to give him the car or he's got to go somewhere else. And then that man will be a world champion. Or at least he will fight it down to the absolute death for a world championship title. That's what I think Max Verstappen needs to do. He needs to forge the career path needed to get him the right seat to challenge for that top spot. Because in my opinion, the guy doesn't really need to do any more on track. So for me, yeah, move or demand that Red Bull give you something more. I mean, follow up question to that. How long does he give it? I think at maximum he gives it to the second year of the uh, the new era cars coming in. If Red Bull are not right at the very front and winning races regularly, that's when you start looking for openings. All right, I think that would pretty much take him up to the end of his contract, if not maybe one year out. But yeah, that's um, it's interesting. Harry to become a world champion, Verstappen needs to 
have a Mercedes. I'm absolutely <laughs> on. I'm absolutely on board with Sam on this one. He needs a, a, a world championship winning car. Um, I think last. I've I really felt last weekend was one of his. What's the word? I don't know. One of his classier, classiest wins. He was just. Just, I don't think anyone would have stopped in that day, to be honest. Once he got that sniff of a win, he knew that he could do it. I'm not sure anyone's going to stop him. Um, and Red Bull have you know, not managed to provide a championship winning car to a driver until, tw- uh, uh, until have not managed to do it since 2013. Um, so, Texas yeah. Are hard. They are. They really are. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm with Sam. If it gets to the new rules, a year of that, and it's not a championship winning car, then I, if I. I think he needs to go somewhere else, probably Mercedes. Okay, I'm going to take a slightly different angle at this, and I'm going to say to become a world champion, Verstappen needs to realise he's not the finished product. Um, I think Verstappen is a quality driver, and for me, he's the second best driver on the grid. Um, And maybe this is more related to him being a multiple-time world champion rather than just one time, but I think he just needs to realise that he's a quality driver as it is, but he's not... He's not the end product. I think there's still improvement that can be done. Um, Very similar to, I'm going to liken this to Lewis Hamilton. I know he did win a championship very early in his career, um, but he was nowhere near the driver at McLaren, I think, compared to what he is now. And pace-wise, I don't think there's much different between 2008 Lewis Hamilton and 2019, 2020 Lewis Hamilton. However, he's just been able to cover up any 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 cracks I and mean, just cover off his weaknesses essentially um which i think verstappen just needs to do i think his temperament still needs a little bit of work um and i just think he needs to realize that what where he is now in his career is great quality driver um but he just needs to keep improving because the next young driver will start to come through these old drivers like Hamilton and Vettel are still around. So uh, continuous improvement, I think, Verstappen needs just to reaffirm his position. Yeah, I mean, I suppose for Verstappen, where Hamilton had got a little bit lucky is that, of course, the dominance of Mercedes turned up just because almost he fell into his stride. But if Verstappen doesn't get that car move and Lando steps up maybe into a Mercedes, Russell joins him, and then the likes of Schwartzman, Armstrong, maybe Eilat, Schumacher, they all start stepping up. Is there a risk there that other teams get their act together and Verstappen never wins a world title because that talent just is filled already by other drivers? Maybe so, maybe so. The years ahead of us will soon tell. Um, the last one here, the most important one, I would say. Harry, Roy Nassani will finish blank in FP1. 20th. Move on. Did you, did you mean second? I think you accidentally put a zero on the end of that. And a third. No. Goat Nassani will, will, will come last. He's he's not going to do any better. I swear to God, if Goat Nassani beats... Is, who's he replacing? Latifi or Russell? Do we Russell. Know? If he beats Latifi, then Latifi needs to go home, back to Canada, stand in front of a big old mirror and have a long, hard look at himself. Because Roy Nassani should not be beating him in FE1. Well, I think Roy Nassani is going to be very happy that you've predicted him in 20th because, of course, there's no chance that's going to happen now. So <laughs> I'm sure he's delighted. <laughs> Sam, Roy Nassani will finish blank in FP one Sam. First, he's going to win Good answer. 
I mean, it's not a race. You don't know what strategy they're all doing. Latifi might only be doing long runs, and because it's Kasang, it's only practice session. They might send him out on some quicker tyres to do something a little more interesting. Um, I don't think he will be last. I think that um, around Spain, the Alphas are going to struggle and the Haases are really going to struggle. I actually think that maybe he'll be about 18th to 17th. <laughs> um, I am going to say that Roy Nassani will finish first. I think he will only do. <laughs> I think he'll only do a run on a hard tire, but I think he will just about break the minute mark on a lap. So <laughs> he will be doing the old final sector, of course. But we'll, we'll forget about that for a moment. It will be a valid lap, and he'll finish first. Still counts. Still counts. Well. I think Goat Nasani is a great place to leave it, really. I hope everyone joins the race on Sunday. Sam, if you could get us out of here. Honestly, I don't know what this podcast has been. If you have somehow enjoyed it and somehow Somehow. stuck with us to the end of this, despite talking about Goat Nasani, despite me bringing on guests such as Toto Wolf and Zach Brown and Claire Williams, of course, Um, then... Please do think about subscribing, following along, sharing. It means a lot to us if you can. And of course, join us for the review of the Spanish Grand Prix where Harold Eves will not be joining us. It will just be the two of us. So they'll have to contain you all on my own. But in the meantime, I have been Sandy Sane. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Hans Herman. And remember, keep breaking late. Podcast Network.